We've come to the end of season one of Our New World, and firstly, I want to say thank you to all of you who've allowed me to be a disembodied voice in your ears while you walk around the world minding your own business. It's meant a lot, and it's been a really great experience doing this podcast, and one that I'm going to continue with the input and help of all of you lot. So if we go back and remember that this series is all about women in the world, This episode is going to be clips from all the messages that these brilliant women shared about how we can move the dial environmentally and socially to make our world a better place. First though, I want to talk a little bit about the point of this podcast again. So, I am by no means a perfect environmentalist. I struggle to eat vegan consistently, I still waste, and I even find recycling a little confusing. And that is all after a master's degree in environmental science. So I'm aware how preachy some of this information could sound and how it's actually really easy to shy away from environmentalism. My intention is not to try and guilt people into acting environmentally. My intention is actually to do the opposite. I think that if we can all see the positives that come from being connected to nature, it's a lot more persuasive than seeing adverts of dying polar bears and forest fires left, right and centre. And don't get me wrong, I think that we need to see those things. I think that we need to be surrounded by those things because glossing over the truth is really not the answer and those things are happening. That being said, everyday people have lots of things going on. Everyday people have lives to live. And as public, we've largely been given this unsustainable template by which to live our lives. It's how we've grown up, it's what we know. And trying to change that is really hard. It's really important to recognize that it's very difficult to change behaviors. It just takes a New Year's resolutions list and a wasted gym membership to know that changing habits is difficult. No one's a bad person because they put a compostable coffee cup in the recycling. Most of us are just doing our best, and as is with adulthood and adolescence and you know old age, whatever stage of life you're at, we're just learning as we go and trying to figure out what's the best way to live. So the point of this is not only to help educate us and myself at the same time, um, I know it can sound patronising to say we need to be educated, but it's about talking to specialists in their field and figuring out what advice they can give us. Um, I certainly learned a lot doing this. But it's also to help us to understand that we can live happily and prosperously and successfully by being more connected with one another and more connected with the natural world. Ultimately, we do have to change our behaviours for the sake of the planet, but that doesn't mean making huge sacrifices all at once. And the sacrifices that are made bring so many benefits in other ways, which is a message that is gloriously conveyed by these people that I was lucky enough to talk to this season. So let's remind ourselves of those recommendations of how to help change the world for the better, starting with my first ever guest that I had on, the wonderful Patricia Zarita, CEO of BirdLife International, who spoke largely about leadership, women in leadership, and putting nature first. What's the one thing that you recommend people do that would move the dial for our planet? I think putting nature at the heart of everything that you do from the time when you wake up to the time when you go to bed. Uh, So everything we do impacts nature, you know, so how long you're showering, the type of food that you buy, 
the type of clothing that you wear, uh, how much you drive versus you cycle, how much you are jumping on a plane and running, you know, to the other corner of the world versus doing a Zoom call for that, or, you know, supporting an organization like ours and just passing on when you are on your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter feed, just pass on the messages of the organizations that are fighting for the planet. Uh, people need to hear this. So I, I think the, the, the biggest plea from my side is tell the world that this is happening. Tell your friends, tell your family that we need to join forces and protect the planet. I think it's changing. I think it's getting there, but we still need to do more. And I think the biggest thing that we can do is just keep thinking and remembering that we're one, one of millions of species in this planet and that we have the unique responsibility to protect it. We are destroying it. We have to fix it. Another guest I had on was Daniel Azule, who worked in corporate social responsibility for L'Oreal at the time. She spoke to us about how to find environmental meaning in your job and also how to make a difference from within the corporate world. I think, you know, my top priority is just to like figure out how to decarbonize your life as much as possible, you know, um, and I think switching to renewables um, and switching banks uh, to support companies or a banking institution that's not supporting fossil fuel investment. I think those are two really big things um, and vote and vote like your life depends on it because it actually does. You guys will see why I put the next couple of guests together in terms of their solutions and recommendations. So firstly, we have Alexandra Paul, who is an activist and actress, and she spoke about the population boom and how it's impacting the world. She's incredibly empathetic about how difficult it is to talk about that as a topic. And it's really well worth listening to that episode, as all of these are. But that one's a really good listen if you're interested in population. Phoebe Bernard was the other guest here, and she spoke to us about these six key areas that we need to address to save our world. She co-wrote a paper on it, which is published now, so you can sign that, which is in her episode, and she had a very similar message to Alexandra. She also talked about these wonderful projects that she did involving young women and environmental leadership. Would there be one thing that you would say to someone who wants to have a big family but isn't convinced of having a small family yet? I would say they should go ahead and have their big family because there's so many people who, if they really, really want a big family, then I'm, I'm not going to convince them. I'm, I'm going to turn my to the other 7.79 people who don't really, really want a big family, but feel haven't considered the benefits of, of only one child, that the people who want maybe three kids or two kids, maybe we could talk about one, one kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that would be my, my answer. Um, and hopefully then that, but they could also listen to our talk and maybe it'll open them up to it. Um, I do talk about the future because I don't have children. Mm -hmm. My brother doesn't have children. My sister doesn't have children. So I, it, my, the Paul family are, the line ends with us. Mm. And a lot of people think, oh, that's really sad. But I don't think it's sad because I'm leaving the planet with ideas and hopefully leaving it in a better way. Um, I don't, I'm not leaving it, no, with my DNA. And that's okay um, because there's so many more ways to have a legacy and an impact. And that's just another way we have to change 
our uh, point of view about what makes us valuable as human beings. And what was the message that Phoebe had for young women looking to make an impact? I guess I'll summarize it. Um, join together, collaborate, inspire each other and show humanity a better way at whatever scale works for you. Love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> and I will ask the final question that we always ask on the podcast. If you could recommend one thing, just one thing for people to do that would move the dial for our planet, what would it be? Without a doubt, have one fewer child or no children at all, but find children in your community and kind of adopt them, engage with them. If you feel that you want to have children, but you're not sure that you want it to be a full-time job, this is a great strategy for you. You know, become a godparent or become a, 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 an auntie or an uncle in the neighborhood who can um, volunteer for kids' activities that can help create healthy kids. We want small families and one fewer child really to be uh, up, uppermost in people's minds as to the single step that they can take that can move the dial for the planet. If people have had children already, that's wonderful. That's great. I am in no way criticizing anybody who's had more than one or two children. My own mom had four. My husband's uh, mother was from a family of 11. So we all know what this is like. And probably people have done an amazing job at raising their children. But invest in helping their grandchildren understand that there are different options for themselves, that they don't have to have um, lots of children. There can be other even child-free ways of giving their own lives meaning, including leadership, community service, collaboration. And if they do want kids, one less kid or adopting kids. Next up was my old university colleagues and dear friends, Pau and Maddie, who were on talking about green entrepreneurships and their journey into leadership and starting a business, which was a really fresh perspective on how you can impact the planet in non-traditional ways. What's the one thing you would recommend people to do to improve their impact on the planet? Actually, I, I've been thinking about this little, and I think, and I'm, I'm actually not that good at it, but it would be to learn how to repair things instead of buying them and, and maybe look a bit into consumption and, and try to repair or restore the things you have before buying them, before starting a business, maybe. For me, um, I think it's a really tough question, but I think it, it would be just do something that seems doable for you. So for instance, for me, it was give up meat. Um, that was doable for me, but for other people, it would not be doable. For some people, it could be just travel less, don't take, I mean, I don't know. I think it really depends on each personality and what you're actually capable of doing. Cause I know that for instance, um, for me, I mean, it would be pretty frustrating if I'd never got on a plane anymore in my whole life, but I'm trying, I'm trying, but I, I don't know. I feel like some people try and do everything at the same time and it just gets a bit too overwhelming. So something that's doable for you. <laughs> it was really interesting how some of these recommendations overlapped, even though they were very different topics that we were talking about. And Oslo de Castro was my one of my other guests who was talking about fashion. 
and she gave us a background on how we can become more sustainable in our fashion choices and how to hold brands accountable. This is also very similar to our very last episode with Annick Ireland, who spoke about her venture into vegan fashion and how it's the future of sustainable clothing. If you remember what Power was saying about repairing things, it's got a similar vibe to what Ursula is talking about. And then Annick goes a bit further with what we can do with our fashion choices. Well, if we have to make it into, I'd say let's do one word, okay? So when, when it comes to clothes, let's think longevity. Um, and, you know, I say it from this point of view because obviously I've written a book on clothing longevity. And I feel that when you interact with your clothes, you answer many, many, many other questions. So if you're preoccupied with your clothing longevity, there is a reason. And that reason is that you are now emotionally interacting with the clothes that you own and that you intend to buy. And that will lead you places, that will lead you to who made them, that will lead you to uh, discovering about lack of transparency in the supply chain, that will lead you to the terrible effect that waste are having on the global nations which we have already exploited for hundreds of years and on which we're dumping all of our unwanted clothing. So it's a change of mindset starting from your wardrobe, but don't limit it to your wardrobe. You know, make it Narnia. See where you see how far you go. Oh, well, I can I can say one thing, like 100%, which which is go vegan. Uh, which might be quite an obvious one to say, but I think there's so much information out there now that shows that actually it's the it's the one single thing that you can do that probably has the biggest impact on the environment. Go vegan. Um, and by the way, when I say go vegan, I don't mean if you're if you're eating loads of meat and dairy, go vegan overnight. Uh, you know, because that's probably not going to you're not going to sustain that, and you're going to be really miserable and like want to give up in a couple of days and hate me for even suggesting it. Um, so when I say go vegan, I would say you know, as an end goal, I think that's a great end goal to have, just because it really does make a massive impact, you know, it makes more impact than, than, you know, not flying, it makes, you know, more impact than not having a car, um, it's the single biggest thing you can do, and it's also something that is, like, 100% for the majority of people in their own control as well, it doesn't require us having to lobby businesses or lobby government, those are all good things we should do, by the way, for all kinds of things. Um, but it's something you can just, you can decide to do and you can just do it. Um, and, it and it's honestly, it's easy, it's enjoyable, you feel brilliant personally and you feel like you're making a massive impact on the environment as well. So um, yeah, go vegan. Next up, we had Professor Diana Wall on, who educated us about the soil that we walk on and how important it can be for our livelihoods. Look at the things outside your house and say, what does that tree take to grow and what does it do for me? And if I need to plant more veggies or more trees or my garden with flowers, that is helpful and beneficial. And I think bringing attention to soils is gonna to help too. You know, here's, here's something else that I always think about because it has to do with Paul Like One time he asked me, you know, what's the stuff about soils and nematodes and all that? And I. You know, you only care about soils if you eat. But if you also want clean water, clean air, biocontrol, you also care about soils. So it's bigger than that. Rianne Eisler spoke about cultural shift. And it was such an interesting discussion about how a culture of oppression has shaped the way that we treat each other, women and the world. 
So what is it that she recommended to move from a culture of oppression to a culture of partnership? This is something that every one of us has to be involved in. Changing our story, changing our language, uh, educating ourselves first, yeah. raising our consciousness, changing our consciousness. I wrote a whole book on that called The Power of Partnership, showing that changes of consciousness are what lead to actions, which in turn lead to further changes of consciousness and the system changes because we hear so much about healing ourselves. But as a high school student wrote me after she read my work, she said, I go to this progressive school and we're constantly protesting against this and that and you know the environment yeah. and place. And I realized we're protesting against the same thing, traditions of domination. But how do we get there? Because that's, again, that's a massive question, but what is something that people can do to get to that point of kind of raised consciousness? Because it seems like a, a difficult thing to kind of get your head around, but there are obviously, we're all capable of doing these things and it just takes little steps, right? Look, I think we do whatever is within our sphere of influence. Okay. If you are a an owner of a business, a manager of a business, uh, you either lobby for government policies that care for people, mm-hmm. starting at birth, or you institute them. If you are a parent, you acquaint yourself with some of the new, not so new, but very important shift of pediatricians in talking about authoritative, because kids need limits, rather than authoritarian and violent methods of parenting. We have, by the way, a caring and connected parenting guide on our website, centerforpartnership.org, in both English and Spanish that you can download for free. It's based on the latest neuroscience. And in between those are a zillion things you can do. But the first step really is changing our own consciousness that there is a partnership alternative. Stop arguing about capitalism versus socialism, for goodness sakes. If the pandemic showed anything, is that we need both government policies and businesses. But the question is, what are they guided by caring values or uncaring values? The soft, stereotypically feminine, or the hard, stereotypically masculine, which does a disservice to human beings of both genders. And finally, it's obviously a last but not least situation where I spoke to Ashley Colby, who was telling us about her research on subsistence farming. And the message that she shared, whilst I think everyone spoke about it within the discussions, I think the message she shared summarizes or epitomizes or embodies what I think this podcast is all about, but also what I think environmentalism should be all about. And so I'm going to leave you with this wonderful, beautifully articulated way of talking about what we can do to make our new world a better place. Thank you very much again for listening.
Yeah. So I would say taking the lessons from my, my own journey, which was, um, what was my tendency when I was trying to write my dissertation? My tendency was to talk to people like me. I'm from Chicago. I'm an environmentalist. I'm highly educated now. So I wanted to talk to like other like city environmentalist educated people. And that was the wrong instinct. <laughs> the right instinct was to talk to and thank God for John Schneider. I'll send this to you, John, for pushing me in that direction because um, I spoke with people who were different from me and learned so much about what we have in common um, and learned so much about the ways in which we can work together toward a common future. And um, I think the, the first step is to get outside of your comfort zone. The second, with socially, the second step is um, to find something practical to work on with this, this hy hypothetical person who's different from you. Um, people just want an excuse to connect. So just make one up, like whatever it is, you know, there's so many different ways we can, you can be like, I thought of this, or I got chickens, I need help, whatever. I thought of this idea for a project, um, let's whatever, let's, let's see if we can plant or we can, um, paint bike lanes in our neighborhood and you start talking to other people about it and they're like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I would like that. Whatever the project is, I think we should do some sort of, um, cooperative after school program with other parents, what, whatever it is, anything you're interested in or any solution, um, that you can see or think of talk to other people who you think might be interested in that solution, especially people who are different from you. And people just like really are, are craving meaning, connection, purpose, something to do that's like that they can see a tangible outcome of. Um, and then you just like, the, there's so many beneficial side effects. You make friends, you build a network, that network becomes more resilient. When people start working on one project, automatically other people start think, saying like, just kind of having these informal conversations like, yeah, all right, we made an after school program co-op um, with the with the parents around our neighbor neighborhood or whatever. And then, oh yeah, did you guys um, hear that the, they're growing mushrooms in a wood chip pile in their backyard? Isn't that weird? And then they're like, well, what is that? Show me more about that. And then like, oh, now we're, now we're all talking about mushrooms or bees or chickens or whatever. And there's just this weird cross-pollination that happens when you just start talking with people and, and doing things that a little bit differently and mixing things up. The really positive thing about this crisis is that it has shifted everybody's normal patterns of behavior. And this is the perfect moment to start, you know, trying new things and seeing what new patterns will stick. Um, and so my call to action is that. And, and again, the historical materialist in me speaking, uh, it's not going to look very good in the next couple decades if we don't start fortifying these networks. So like, it's not really just about these feel good, like you should do this because it'll, it'll be like altruistic or good for the environment. Like you should do this for your own sake so that you have people around you who can help you in times of crisis that are surely on the horizon. So do it, do it for your own good, if not for the planet, your community, you know, and, and everything else, posterity, your children, whatever. 
I think that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm inspired to do this because it's great. <laughs> no, it's great because, well, I mean, I won't go into too much, but it's, people are just expecting like, oh, you know, go plant some stuff or do this, which, you know, are great. But the idea of talking to other people and creating those connections, I think is just such a cool message to be to be saying this will make change because it's and it also starts with people like it has to start with oh, i mean you can start with an idea in your head but then it, it, it it's got to get out into the real world it's got to get tested go try it also um i don't know if you've ever heard this phrase granolier than thou it's no. like <laughs> more environmentalist than the next person or whatever you, we, we, that needs to be abandoned yesterday like we we got to get up get over the purity politics get over the like oh well i my kid never watched a tv screen and i never ate a uh, industrial no we are all part of this really messed up system it's okay we're all on a journey it's not going to be perfect we're going to be messy let's do this stuff out loud let's try um there is no you know there is no like solution that's perfect we're just going to try it we're going to be messy and that's that's okay it's okay <laughs>